Thanks for listening to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. Here to help educate, motivate, and put you on the right path to take control of your health through weekly discussions on topics in the medical field, public health arena, and in your community. And now your host, Dr. Barry. And welcome to another episode of the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. I'm your host, Dr. Barry Pierre board-certified internist, founder of drpierresblog.com, and most importantly, the host of The Lunch Learn with Dr. Barry, your number one podcast for patient advocacy and helping you empower yourself for better health. Today, we have a great episode. We are going to be talking about an unfortunate topic, but I think it's a topic that needs to be addressed, put out in the public, and needs to be really made more commonplace, especially in the minority community, and that's hospice care. And depending on when you're listening to this, uh, one of our great R&B singers, Rita Franklin, has reportedly been placed under hospice care. And the concern is, you know, depending on when you listen to this, she may have already passed or she may be in the process of uh, passing away. Right. And when I saw that she was going on hospice care, I said, you know, what? I need to have a conversation because I already know what's going to happen out in the media. Right. Like people are going to hear hospice and they automatically think, oh, they're going to try to try to kill her early. And I want to try to dispel some of these myths during today's episodes while really educating on what hospice care is and really the importance and the benefit and why I think everyone, especially if you have a family member who's dealing with an illness that there unfortunately is going to cause the ultimate demise, seeing what type of services are out there to help you when you don't want to send your family member to the hospital again. You don't want them uh, to get poked and prodded, nurses coming in and out and physicians coming in and out. When you want to like say, you know what, enough is enough. Like what services are out there for me, right? And that's really what hospice, and we're also going to talk about palliative care, is really all about. It's a service that's absolutely amazing. So stay tuned for another great episode. Uh, like always, if you want my show notes, head over to drpiersblog.com forward slash LLP. 077 or just head over to lunchlearnpod.com and get all my show notes for today's episode and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast today leave me five stars if you can uh today we're going to read another uh, review it says uh very motivational something that i need positive messages flowing through the speaker so i love reviews i love the ratings i love when you guys share the podcast so do so uh, for me it's been much appreciated you guys have a great and blessed day this episode is brought to you by the Lunch and Learn Community Store, where we are living out the motto, empower yourself for better health. In the Lunch and Learn Community Store, you can get your favorite t-shirts, ebooks, as well as other related products by Dr. Barry. Head over to shop.drpiersblog.com and get a chance to get 10% off your first purchase by using the coupon code EMPOWER10. Again, shop.drpiersblog.com. Live out the motto, empower yourself for better health. All right, guys, so it's been a very tough week at the hospital. And for for those who follow me on Instagram, you know, one of my big mottos in my residence notice is my goal is to always get every patient who walks in the hospital to walk out the hospital, right? And this week has been a tough one because that really just has not been happening at the rate I would like it to be. Now, I know it's not a guaranteed thing, right? I know that I can't save everyone. I learned that as a resident, right? And so that's not something that, you know, really, you know, weighs me down on a day-to-day basis. But this week has been incredibly more difficult than not to get a person to walk out the hospital, right? At least the way I want them to walk out the hospital, right? I had about 
now it's going on, in fact, as I record this, five patients who had to go to hospice, right? Who ended up saying, you know what, after all is said and done, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to hospice care, right? Some had the ability to say that, some didn't, right? If you understand what I mean. And it's definitely something that every time it happens, like I, I used to get sad. I could tell you, initially, I used to get sad. Right? I'm like, oh my God, they're going to hospice. That means like I failed. So that's always, as a physician, right? You know, we're so type A, and especially as an internist, we think we know everything. We think we can save everyone. So it's always difficult understanding that I can do everything correct and my patients still not make it. And so I had these four or five patients, right? Going on five now, five patients who I've done everything I can. And now I'm at the point where I'm saying, you know what? I think it's time for hospice. And hospice, of course, is one of these like very bad terms, double terms. Um, before, if you've been paying attention before, they used to uh, call it the, uh, the the death panel discussion. Uh, that is physician, you know, the government was blaming us for having death panel discussions on that. And and it's something that I've become so comfortable saying, right, that when whenever I even think my patient would benefit from hospice services, and I'm going to talk about it later, how even my patient's family and caretakers would benefit from hospice services, right? I'm quick to jump at it, right? Because I understand that prevention is everything, right? But I also understand that early intervention helps a lot better than the later ones, right? Like it's much more convenient, right? To say, you know what? If something happens to me, do not resuscitate me, right? Then while I'm trying to resuscitate you, you saying don't resuscitate me, right? It's much more convenient if you do it in the beginning. And that's how I kind of like to think about hospice care. Hospice is something that I think we should be using much more frequently. I think we need to be educating our patients. And you, the patient, especially the lunch and learn community, should be educating yourself on just what it is, right? And again, that's why you listen to the podcast, right? Because you want to learn just what options are there uh, in the world of health and how I could be your best advocate, right? So today we're talking about hospice care. And I'd be remiss, right, depending on when you listen to this, right? If you listen to this, during the week of drops, then you know that Aretha Franklin, a great R&B singer, is in hospice care. And almost immediately, once I saw that she was in hospice care, almost immediately I go to the comments. Almost immediately people are saying that, oh, they're trying to kill her. Oh, the family's trying to get her off, get her out of here. Like all of these like very uh, insensitive comments and like just not, so I hate to call people dumb, right? But like just not smart comments, right? Like and it was something that clearly says that hospice still has a lot of work to do. When it comes to educating the public, and and I understand, again, I'm I'm talking to you guys on a podcast, right? Like, and for those who listen to podcasts, you're like, okay, of course, yeah, everyone knows the podcast, but you'd actually be surprised how many people don't know what a podcast is, right? So when we talk about hospice care, when we talk about the fact that we already know physicians don't like to talk about death, anyways, again, we're type A, we think we can save everyone, so we don't need to talk about the end of life care because I'm gonna I'm gonna save you all the way up to the end. You're gonna live forever with me, right? So I know it's a discussion that is not. Uh, that is not being had enough, not only in the outpatient setting where it really should be being had, it happens a lot in the inpatient setting, right? And of course, as a hospitalist now and uh, being on both sides of the coin, right, I understand uh, very clearly that, yes, if this person is where I think this person's at, hospice is going to be much better for you than the alternative. So we're talking about, again, we said, you know, Aretha Franklin, you know, uh, bless her heart, hope, you know, you know, the, the, the issue I, I want to tell people right now, right, if they've got to the point where they've placed, and again, I don't, this is more uh, confirmed, you know, close story, you know, not 100% confirmed, right, but if, if they're at the point where they say, yeah, you need hospice care, yeah, that means that, you know, she's not going to be living 
very long, right? And by very long, I could be meaning one week. I could be meaning six months. I could be meaning a year, right? But whatever she has, right? I don't know where her medical issue, medical history is, right? But whatever she has is going to cause a premature death than expected, right? So that's where the hospice kind of comes in, right? So uh, let's let's talk about hospice care and just kind of what it is, right? So just, you know, just got a few definitions here, right? Hospice care addresses the patient's physical, emotional, social, and spiritual needs, right? Like this is something that I think a lot of people, when they think about a hospice, they think like, yes, like the hospice is here to take care of the patient, here's to, you know, help them, I guess, quote unquote, transition on uh, to the other side, right? But a big thing that I've, I've noticed, especially when I was, and I was doing my Googling, right, when I was trying to research on what hospice care is and the importance of hospice, a very common theme across a lot of the different hospice centers, right, is their goal is really focusing on quality of life, right? They're a quality of life service, and they understand that your quality of life shouldn't be important while you're up and healthy, right? But it should also be important while you're sick. And with them, they want to make sure they maximize every minute of your quality of life until the end. And I can tell you, I've had patients in a hospital that, you know, they're, it's, it's clear that the, the the disease process that brought them in the hospital is not going to allow them to leave the hospital. But unfortunately, because they have not had this discussion with family, and family does not want to have this discussion, you know, without their their loved one being able to have some type of opinion, we continue medical management. We continue medical treatment, right? Uh, there's been studies that show that uh, the amount of money spent in the last, you know, 20%, last quarter of your life uh, equals everything you spend up up until then, right? Like it's, it just blows it out the absolute water, right? Because we spend so much, especially in medicine, right? I'm telling you, we're type A. So we're going to do everything we can to try to prolong, right? Like that's our goal. We're going to do everything we can to try to prolong, right? I, for example, I, I got to take care of a patient who uh, was brain dead, who is, that is, is brain dead. Taking care of a patient who is brain dead, right? And they have a sore, uh, they have a sore on their mouth, right? They have a sore on their mouth, right? And do you know that the one of the consultants wanted me to get general surgery to see if they needed to biopsy it? And I'm like, for what? Right? Like, it, that's one of those times where you almost have to, again, and again, it, it happens, right? It's not, it's not, it's not like, I wish that was like a, you know, a, an outlier of a conversation, right? But it happens a lot, right? People, I think people are so removed from the the end result that they're like, oh, no, this is what we need to do right now. And right now we need to do this. And right now we need to do that, right? And I'm like, no, we're not doing none of that. So, and this is where, this is where hospice comes in, right? This is where hospice comes in and says, hey, you know what? All of that stuff you're trying to do, Dr. Pierre, like, we don't need that. Like, that's, let's, let's let this, let's just take care of this patient's pain. Let's take care of this patient's breathing. Let's take care of the patient first. Make them comfortable first, and then worry about the other stuff later, right? So that's so that's just one, right? Hospice care also helps the patient's family caregivers, right? Honestly, I'm being selfish, right? This is probably the number one reason why I love hospice, because it takes care of the patient's family. When you're, especially as a physician, right? When you're a physician, you're taking care of the patient. I can, I'm doing everything in my time and energy is for that patient, right? Like I am, am not dealing with the patient's family's grief, right? I'm not dealing with the patient's family's anxiety, right? Vicariously, right? I, I may try to calm them down when I'm speaking to them, but that's not a priority of mine. But when you when patients are under hospice care, 
the one portion is for the patient, but they understand that the most important portion of taking care of the patient is dealing with the patient's family. Dealing with the patient's family who have to watch their loved one pass away. Who have to watch their loved one deal with a disease that's going to prematurely end their life, right? And that's something that most, again, I, I'll say 99% of people cannot deal with on a daily basis, right? I am a hospitalist. I'm trained internist. I did outpatient medicine, inpatient medicine. So death, right? Death is not something that, you know, it's going to stop me in my tracks, right? Like someone dies, like I, I can say good morning to someone right now, and I may not be able to say good evening to them because they may pass away, right? And that's not going to stop my day, right? But, uh, and again, I can, I can tell you, I already know I'm an outlier, right? I'm kind of crazy with it. Most of us internists, hospitalists are, uh, we just know how to turn that off, right? Like that's just something that's a switch that with our training, we've been able to turn off. Most people can't turn it off, right? Most families cannot have their family member dying in front of them and be able to deal with it on their own, right? That does not happen, right? And that's where hospice care comes in because not only do they provide that support, whether um, you need equipment or anything for the patient, they say, hey, family, what do you need? Caregiver, what do you need? Right? So that's why I absolutely love, love, love hospice. And and again, I, and I kind of alluded to it, right? A lot of people think when you're in a hospice, right, you're in this like dark room by yourself, right? But a lot of people don't understand that there's a lot of hospice patients who go home. There's a lot of hospice patients who live home, and hospice will take care of all of those things for you, right? You need a hospital bed, we're going to get that for you. You need oxygen tank, we're going to get that for you, right? There's a lot of things that hospice, that comes into play with hospice that I, I don't think, if I think if people knew better, right, they would definitely be more apt to get to it, right? Like, I've seen families, right, take care of loved ones that they clearly can't take up any, they can't, they can't take care of anymore, right? They clearly don't have the time to take care of their loved ones the way they need to be taken care of. So they lock the loved one up in a room, right? Or they, they keep them with a caregiver that just needs to be able to look at them and, you know, not let them get into trouble, right? But not really take care of them as much as they need to take care of them, right? So you have hospice. Yes, there's hospice facilities, right, where you can go to a hospice facility and be in there, um, their facility, their, their room. And I can tell you their room is much better than a hospital room, right? Much colorful, much, but it's much more of a better ambiance to the hospital room. And, you know, that you don't have people poking and prodding you and, you know, checking your blood pressure. Like, all these, like, that doesn't happen, right? It's about making you comfortable. But they can also make you comfortable right in the comfort of your own home, right? And they, they can, they'll send nurses to you, right? Like, they'll have people to take care of you in the comfort of your own home, right? Where you live at, right? So, again, that's a, another thing, reason why I love hospice, right? It's absolutely beautiful. And, one of the, the facets of hospice is that it actually helps concentrate on managing a lot of things, right? I think a lot of people think when you go into hospice care that, you know, they kind of wash their hands with you, right? But hospice deals a lot with the patient's pain management, uh, any symptoms, any shortness of breath, any anxiety, like they are there, right? So the treatment, right? Treatment doesn't stop, right? In regards to making sure you feel better, doesn't stop just because you're in hospice care, right? What stops is saying, you know what? That chemotherapy that you were on, it's not going to work anymore. And because it's not, it's just making you sicker. And because it makes you sicker, you end up in a hospital. And then you end up in a hospital. And then you have the 20 physicians and nurses and students and CNAs and all these people who you see. So you don't even recognize who you're seeing. And they're waking you up at 4 o'clock in the morning. You know what? We're going to stop all of that. We're going to take care of you in the bed in, at your home. We're going to take care of you in our facility. 
and we're just gonna make you comfortable until it's your time to go, right? Like that's that's where hospice at, right? That's where the delineation is such a stark difference from the hospital, right? Like I said, in a hospital, we're crazy, right? In a hospital, we'll do everything you tell you. We'll do everything until you tell us don't do it, right? We'll poke, we'll prod you, uh, we'll wake you up at four o'clock in the morning, we'll take you to surgery, we'll intubate, we will do every single thing until you say do not. Right. And that's why this is a conversation you need to have before you get to the do not stage. Right. Before you get to the stage where it's like, oh, my God, I don't want to do this anymore. You need to be able to say, hey, you know what? Whatever path you think you're going to go, Dr. Pierre, don't go that path. I don't want none of that. Right. So that's and that's what I love about hospice. Right. And the the facilities are amazing. The nursing is amazing. Just uh, just an absolutely wonderful service uh, that I think uh, a lot of people aren't familiar with or a lot of people uh, are scared of right because they just don't know and and i talked to that again like the last uh, one to end it right again hospice uh believes that you know the quality of life again is important right i think in medicine right a lot of times we kind of forget that the patient's quality of life uh, should come first right um a lot of times we're treating dying we're treating a lab test right a lot of times we're treating a, a diagnosis right but we're we're doing it in disregard of the patient's quality of life, right? Yes, you take this chemotherapy. Yes, it's going to kill the cancer cells, but you're going to be sick. You're going to be weak. You're going to be tired. You're not going to eat, but that's okay because we're treating the cancer cells, right? Like that's like a, a, a thing where a hospice is like, no, 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 wake, wake up, right? Like they want to eat. They want to drink. They want to be able to go outside. They can't do any of that because you got them on a medication that should, you know, decrease uh, the cancer burden by 20 percent 30 percent 40 percent even say 100 right like like that's what you're saying right like that's again hospice is like hey doc wake up right we, we probably don't need to do all of that and and i think a, a common misnomer right is that it's no longer about cancer anymore right like before when we were talking about hospice we were talking about cancer patients right we were talking about lung cancer colon cancer brain cancer. we were talking about all these cancer patients and they were going to hospice right and hospice uh it's not a it's not a uh, a new it's not a it's not it hasn't been around here for a long time right like it's only been here since the 70s right so this is definitely something that you know just just around right it's just coming around and it, it i hope it starts to catch more favor uh when people start really trying to cherish uh what they want to do with their quality of life right so again it's not it's not about cancer right it's more than half of the patients in hospice are in there for diseases like heart disease Right, late stage heart disease, late stage lung disease, my COPD patients. Kidney disease is an important one. Again, you have your dialysis patients and your dialysis patients, I don't know if you know anyone in the community, lunch community, I don't know if you know anyone who's on dialysis, but I, I'm not sure if you understand that they usually have to go to dialysis centers uh, usually three times a week. Right? And we could talk about why it's only three times, but three times a week. And they have to be there for like three or four hours at a time. And then usually they're so tired that they really don't want to do anything after dialysis, right? So it's essentially it's a their day a day of their three days out of the week is essentially gone because they're so tired they don't really want to do much afterwards. And that's the and when you have someone who says, you know what, doc, I'm tired of doing dialysis. I'm I'm done, right? If they don't do dialysis, they will die, right? One of one of the important kidneys that function and uh, you know you could you could check out that recent podcast episode on uh, the kidney disease. Uh, one of the important functions of the kidney is getting rid of toxins. So if they don't do this dialysis, they are going to die. So it's important for us to know that, yes, if you have a patient who doesn't want to do dialysis, the dialysis no more, they're going to die, and hospice service may be important for them. 
dementia, right? Alzheimer's disease, right? I think this is an important one because I think a lot of us, right? A lot of us, especially in my community, right? A lot of us in my community want to take care of want to want to take care of our parents forever, and that's okay, right? Like that's okay to want to take care of your parents forever. But for some of us, right, it gets to a point where we can't. For some of us, it gets to a point where the the burden that it takes, right, the burden that it places on our family to take care of that loved one who has advanced Alzheimer's dementia, right? And I'm talking about this is the type, not the kind of forgetful. I mean, they don't know who you are whatsoever. They don't want to eat. They don't want to drink. They're just there, right? They're just a shell of themselves, right? Uh, those that's the end stage dementia we talk about. We're not talking about this early stage that happens. They get a little forget. I'm not talking about that. Right? I don't want. I don't want y'all sending uh, y'all grandparents and parents into uh, hospital services in droves just because they're starting to get forgetful. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, if they get to the point where they rely on your care 24 seven, unless that's your job, right? Unless that's you, you, you've, you've comfortable enough where you don't have to do any type of work but that, you should not be doing that. You should be having someone who can provide those type of services for you. And guess what? Hospice does that for you, right? Like again, I, I sound like a hospice cheerleader, but I know a lot of, and I'm, I'm going to talk about some of the symptoms, right? I know a lot, some of the issues, right? I know a lot of people who are taking care of loved ones, right? Who should not be taking care of them, right? Like the time... Uh, that they could, the time has come and gone where their ability to take care of them outweighs the benefits of you doing it by yourself, right? Like that's just not the case anymore, right? So I, I'm trying to, sh- I want to stress that again. I talked about heart disease, lung disease, kidney disease, dementia, or just this makes up more than half of the patients under dialysis. I mean, under hospice care, right? So this is not a uh, cancer-related program, right? There's a lot of different diseases that can put you uh, under the services of uh, hospice care, right? And again, uh, we, we kind of alluded to it, right? You know, hospice has, they have physicians, they have nurses, they have social workers, uh, home health aides, chaplains, spiritual advisors, right? Like that's 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 in their team, right? So it's not as if you have just some regular Joe Blows taking care of you in the setting of hospice care. Uh, they provide treatment for pain relief, right? They provide medical equipment, physical therapy, occupational therapy, counseling. Uh, this is, again, this is something that uh, is uh, important, right? Again, I'm for, when I talk about the families, right? The families need it. Even though they're they're trying to avoid it, right? We are, we, we are, you guys already know how I feel about my mental health, right? Um, nobody needs more mental health than someone who's taking care of a loved one who's sick. No one. Right. Like and that person could be 100 percent fully healthy if they are primarily responsible for taking someone taking care of someone who is sick, then they need just as much mental health as the next Joe Blow. Right. So, again, we, we can't under sugarcoat that. Right. And a thing that hospice uh, services, especially at least down here in uh, South Florida, provide, they provide respite care. Right. And the way I think about respite care, think about like uh, tagging you in. Right. Like you have a tag team partner. Right. And let's say, again, you. You're, you're the primary caregiver for mom, right? You're the primary caregiver for dad. And you got to be there 24-7, right? You can't even, honestly, you get to the point where you can't even work no more, right? But here comes hospice that says, hey, you know what? I'll give you eight hours. I'll give you eight hours, and I'll send uh, one of our nurses to, to do your job. Just 
do you for eight hours, right? Don't even worry. We'll take care of it, right? So they even provide that type of care, right? Almost like, I don't hate to say babysitting, but that's kind of what it is, right? They're tagging you in and say, hey, you know what? You've done such an amazing job, but I need you to get out of here for like eight hours just so you can relax, breathe, go to sleep. Just do you for eight hours, right? Like, again, these are, and this, I know this is a big one in South Florida. I'm not sure about all the other hospice services, hospice care services that may provide something in, in that regards, right? And, and of course, I know a lot of my lunch and learn listeners, they love facts, right? So as far as, and I'm talking to the caregivers, right? 29% of adults are taking care of someone who is ill or disabled, right? 29%. 44 million caregivers are taking care of someone older than the age of 50. And 15 million of them are taking care of someone who has dementia, right? 15 million of them, right? And, you know, the, the problem with dementia, right? Again, which is, well, I probably, I'm probably i not sure if I've already done an episode. If not, I'll make sure I, I do an episode on dementia. The problem with dementia, Alzheimer's dementia in general, is that uh, these patients, because, if, because they're at that stage, especially when they're at the stage where they need to be watched all the time, if you don't watch them, right? You don't watch them for 10 minutes, they're out the door, right? They're out the door, they're wandering the streets, they're driving, they they don't know what they're doing in terms of like why they're doing it. They're just out the door, right? So countless of times I'll you know, I'm on social media, so countless times I'll see people saying, Hey, you know, Blaine Blake is missing, fifty year old is missing, sixty year old is missing, seventy year old is missing. And I already know that's dementia. That I already know that's Alzheimer's because that's the only people who are just gonna go up and missing, right? Uh, because they don't know no better, right? They'll they're the ones who will get on the bus and just keep riding. They're the ones who walk out the door and keep going, right? They're the ones who turn on the stove and leave it on, right? Those, those are the ones who need constant supervision. So that's why when I, when I see my, 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 my colleagues and I see people who I know should not be responsible 24-7, but they have to be, right? You can see the stress in their eyes, right? You can see uh, the, 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 the grief in their eyes, right? Because they know if they turn around for a second, it may be trouble, right? And again, they and a lot of them, a lot of us, especially in the um, the Caribbean community, right? We have this like uh, this almost this this this, this uh, notion, right? That if I if I send my mom, if I send my dad to a nursing home, right, that means I don't love them no more, right? When in actuality, I I argue against the opposite, right? Like I'm sending you to uh, the nursing home because I know they're gonna take care of you twenty four seven, and I know me, I know I can take care of you twenty four seven. Right. Like I know myself enough to know that I won't be providing you, mom, the best care. Right. I know I won't be providing you, dad, the best care if I'm the one watching you 24 seven. If I'm the one primarily responsible, I know I'm not going to do a good enough job. So this is why I'm sending you to a nursing home. Right. Like that's how I always try to flip that conversation for my caregivers. I'm like, you are not doing a bad thing by saying, you know what? I can't do this alone. Right. You're just not doing it. Right. So I think if if you if you follow that ilk, right, if you follow that that mantra, right, you can see why a, a service like hospice care, especially if it's end, end stage dementia. And again, again, one of the tough things about dementia, especially at end stages, you know, it, it's a shell of the person you once knew and it's very difficult to let go. So that's always been a tough thing uh, for uh, the caregivers to finally accept that, you know, I can't do this anymore. Uh, some more facts, right? More women than men are caregivers. That's really not a shocker to me, is it? Right? More women take care of their their elderly. More women. Yeah, that's not a shock. We're we're not, we'll we'll breeze by that because that's not a shock at all. This is a big one, right? Forty to seventy percent of caregivers have clinically significant symptoms, including depression, right? 
right? 40-70% are depressed. Like, think about that, right? So the person who's supposed to be taking care of the loved one is likely depressed because they're taking care of the loved one, right? Like, I, I think we have to really, like, say that out loud so we can. it really hits us in the head, like, wow, like, I'm really not doing my mom a, dis, a, a good service, right, by trying to be it all by myself, right? Like, I'm not doing it. Forty-seven percent, right? Very, very tough, right? And the, these are some issues, right? Thirty-seven percent of caregivers had to quit their jobs or uh, have reduced work hours just to care for someone, you know, uh, over the age of fifty, right? Like, so again, this is not something that is benign. This is something that affects not only the person who is it being affected, but everyone in their circle. Because these are some issues that caregivers deal with, right? They deal with increased stress. They deal with, again, we talked about depression. They deal with blood pressure issues. They're just physically exhausted. A lot of them deal with alcohol or drug abuse, right? And in, in the meantime, the biggest thing, right, which is, again, this is crazy. A lot of them will neglect their own health, right? So because now they're taking care of someone, they won't even take care of themselves, right? And you know how the cycle goes, right? You're not taking care of yourself. You're the one in the hospital, because your blood pressure is too high. And guess what? Now you got kidney disease. Oh, guess what? Now you need to die out. Like, like, like that's how the cycle goes, right? You got to take care of yourself. Just like in the airplane, right? Remember, when you're in an airplane, and what they tell you, if that oxygen drop, right, you put your mask on first, then you help somebody else, right? What's happening now is that people are putting the mask on on every single person but themselves, right? And I think hospice is a very viable option because it allows people to put the mask on themselves first and then have some help to put the mask on and everybody else, right? So that again, that's why again I'm a I'm a big fan of hospice. I, I think it's something that, you know, needs to be really uh, talked about much more frequently in the primary care's office, right? You know, I hate that term, right? But it, it needs to be talked about, right? Your your attorneys, your family physician need to be talking about uh, hospice care, and fortunately, sometimes your pediatrician, right? I, which I know is sad to say, right? Again, one of the things, the reason, one of the reasons why I didn't go to pediatrics, right? Because I didn't even want to talk about kids having to die, right? But there's hospice uh, for kids as well, too. Again, that's just kind of where we're at, especially in this in this day and age. And um, I and before, before, so again, when when you hear, you know, Rita Franklin, all time singer, right, is in hospice care, right? It, it's it, it it's easy to you know put those stupid comments, right? It's just like, oh, her family's trying to kill her, right? Oh, they're they're just trying to you know put push her out the door, right? Uh, but if you understand uh, what hospice is all about, you understand that they're probably doing the best thing uh, for her, right? Like they're probably doing uh, a service that she probably needed. And uh, will greatly appreciate because she'll be able to go out on her term. And before I go, I want to talk about palliative care uh, right before we get off uh, today's episode because I think it's another service that needs to be used. Um, I think it's something that is underutilized. Uh, I can tell you from an insurance standpoint, a lot of insurances don't necessarily cover palliative care like they cover hospice care. But those that do, I think, needs to really uh, be able to just ask, you know, what options that I have out there for me. Um, palliative care, the, the approach is the treatment of patients with a serious or life-threatening illness, right, to help provide relief from symptoms, pain, stress, or serious illness. It has helped to improve the quality of life of both the patient and the patient's family, right? So this is a, a service that we will use in a hospital setting when we're concerned that our pain management 
just isn't enough, right? Like you have your cancer patient, they're on chemo, they have no plans on going to hospice and calling it quits, right? So they still want to continue the treatment, but they still need some support, right? So this is where your palliative care options can be a play, right? Where they say, you know what? Yes, I need an additional support than what I'm already getting, but I'm not ready for that hospice life yet, right? I may need uh, a pain specialist to come in and see me, right? I, I may need some of the medical equipment in my house. I may need all of these things here, but I'm not ready to give up yet, right? So don't, don't, I'm not pressing that button, but I need some help kind of getting some of these services, right? And palliative care is, again, for anyone who has serious life-threatening illnesses, uh, of course, we talked about cancer, dementia, heart disease, lung disease, uh, kidney disease, and it provides for patients of all ages, right? So it's definitely something that, it's an option, right? It's an option for those who may not be ready to say, you know what, I'm not ready to finish treating. I'm not ready to finish uh, taking care. I'm not ready to finish doing all of this uh, stuff for my loved one. But I do know I recognize I need some help that will try to prevent me from having to walk up in these hospitals all over and over again, right? So that's where I think palliative care is an absolutely amazing option, people. Uh, And again, um, in the show notes, I'm going to put a list of foundations and organizations uh, that you may be able to call and just kind of get in touch with just to get some more information, right? on uh, what's going on in, in the world of hospice care and what's going on in palliative care and how it can benefit you or your loved one, right? Because again, as a physician, right, I've been asked uh, countless of times, Doc, make the decision for me, right? And I've had to make that decision for families, right? Because a lot of families who don't have that end-of-life discussion, right, a lot of families don't like to have it at all, right? Um, and because they don't have that end-of-life discussion, right, they, they don't want that burden of uh, being the one that said, yes, no, I said, put my dad on hospice. I said, put grandma on hospice. I said, uh, you know, pull the, like, like, they don't want that decision to carry on them. So a lot of times they'll put it on uh, the physician, right? I say, nah, doc, you choose, and you know, whatever you choose is fine with me, right? And that's, and I got no problem. I, I look at these patients like they're my family members. And if it was my family member in that same exact position, what would I do, right? So again, uh, I know this wasn't one of our hype uh, lectures, right? But I think it's probably one of the more important ones, right? When we talk about patient advocacy, uh, it's not advocating for yourself when you're healthy, right? It's advocating yourself when you're sick, but also advocating for you uh, when it's to the point where there's nothing else you can do. So you guys have a great and blessed day, and I'm going to see you guys next week. Thank you for getting to the end of the show. I am your host, Dr. Barry Pierre, host of The Lunch Learner, Dr. Barry. And this is another amazing episode that we like to bring to you week after week on betterment of empowering yourself for better health today. If you have not had a chance, please go ahead and subscribe to the show if this is your first time listening. If you already listen and you've already subscribed, make sure to leave me a five-star review because your support is absolutely important in keeping the show moving as it is. And if you have not had a chance and you want to check out today's show notes, always head over to lunchlearnpod.com. That is lunch learn pod all in one word dot com and you can get the access to my show notes for every single episode but separately especially the one you just listened to and i'm gonna see you guys next week you guys be blessed bye